and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, an exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. This is the word of the Lord. Lord God, thank you that you have spoken to us in creation and your people Israel in the word of scripture and most powerfully in Jesus Christ. And thank you that you keep on speaking to us through Jesus this day. Please open our ears now to hear you. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to learn this. I'm definitely shorter than Steve. Oh, okay. Um, well, we've come to our fourth Sunday of Advent. Sorry, I'm going to get this. Can you help me? <laughs> there we go. Oh, there we go. Thank you. Thanks. Um, so we've come to the fourth Sunday of Advent, which is always hard to believe. When I was a kid, it felt like it took ages for Christmas to get here. Um, but now as a mom, it feels like Christmas comes way too fast. Uh, we're not ready in our house. I haven't baked anything. I haven't really finished decorating. Um, I haven't got Steve a gift. Um, I'm not sure what we're having for Christmas lunch. Um, I have a stack of Christmas cards that I bought four years ago, and I'm accepting this is going to be the fourth year in a row that I'm not going to send them. Um, but are we ever ready for Christmas? Part of the reason we often don't feel ready for Christmas is because we have so many stories around us of what Christmas is supposed to be like, what it's supposed to look like, what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to feel and have a holly jolly Christmas. Our culture loves to tell stories at Christmas time. We do this in all of our Christmas songs and our Christmas movies and our TV specials and our school nativity plays and Christmas adverts. All of this is storytelling. All the songs and movies and adverts are stories about what Christmas is about. Now, some of it is good storytelling, like you have Charles Dickens and A Christmas Carol, or this year's um, John Lewis Christmas adverts. Is this real tearjerker about a dad learning to skateboard because he's adopting a daughter? Um, some of these are really good stories. Um, but most of the stories leave a bit to be desired, and they come up a bit empty. Um, I love those made-for-TV Christmas romantic comedies. And I was watching one this week with my mug of hot chocolate. and had some squirty cream. I kept squirting into it. Um, and we love that cozy feeling. Um, but at the end, you kind of feel like you've had a sugar rush, and you come up a bit empty and think, is that it? Um, but we have better Christmas stories. We have the better Christmas stories in our church. So listen to how one different story begins. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. The author of Hebrews begins his letter like a story. A long time ago, he says, God spoke. But it wasn't just a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. 
Yes, God did speak a long time ago, but that word then has something to do with us now. And today, God is speaking still. He's still speaking to us. The author of Hebrews invites us to hear again the sweeping story of creation and fall and redemption and to recognize how Jesus is at the very center of it all. So our reading today, these first four verses in Hebrews, contain so much of the gospel in a nutshell. Now, in the Greek, these four verses are just one long run-on sentence. Um, It's just piling truth after truth. And we could study these four verses and come away with a pretty good grasp of the gospel. Um, But this morning, I want us just to think about a few words from verse 2. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. So as you've said, we've been talking the last few weeks about how God's spoken to us. He's spoken to us through creation, through the people of Israel, and through the prophets whose words we have in the scriptures. And now this week, we finally get to Jesus, the fullest way that God is speaking to us. So what does God have to say? Jesus is what God has to say to us. Jesus is our story. He is the story. He's the story not just of Christmas, but of all of creation, And this is a story that involves all of us. Jesus is a story that the Father wants us to hear. But how do we hear a story about a person, about Jesus? It's hard to get our minds around thinking in terms of Jesus, the flesh and bones carpenter Jesus, the Jesus who is God made flesh. This real living person of Jesus is what God has to say to us. Um, Earlier this week, I was chatting with Sean, and she mentioned that Benjamin, I think they're out, yeah, Benjamin, their adorable two-year-old, has been really interested in babies, and he loves pictures of babies, and he was looking at all of their Christmas story picture books, and he was trying to find pictures of baby Jesus, and then Sean said she realized they don't actually have that many pictures of baby Jesus in them. We have pictures of the shepherds, and the wise men, and the angel, and Mary and Joseph, but there aren't actually as many pictures of baby Jesus in the story books. And I looked at our own picture books um, at home. We have a huge stack of them, and it was the same, actually. And I realized that um, two-year-old Benjamin saw something that a lot of us grown-ups miss, we don't often see, is that it's really easy to talk about the things around Jesus and actually miss Jesus himself. It's hard for us to see and to hear him well. But Jesus is a real person, and Jesus is what God has to say to us. And in these opening words of Hebrews, we find some help for listening to what God's address is. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. So we notice first that the author of Hebrews sees himself and his readers as living in the last days. In the one sense, these last days is in relation to the promises of the Old Testament. In the book of Joel, for example, there's a promise, that um, a prophecy, sometime in the future, at a time called afterward, the Spirit would be poured out on all people. And this prophecy is fulfilled at Pentecost. Peter stands up and he explains that all of the strange things that are seeing at Pentecost, the tongues of fire and the speaking of new tongues, all of this is what Joel said would happen in the last days, God would pour out his spirit on all flesh. So the author of Hebrews likewise sees that they are living in the last days. They're living in the time of fulfillment of all the promises. But even more than these prophecies coming true, something incredible and dramatic has happened. 
The coming of Jesus has split time in two. So the universe has been shaken by the coming of Jesus into the world. And so now, for the author of Hebrews and for his readers, their time is a time of things wrapping up. It's a time of things coming to fulfillment. They're in the last act of the play. They know where history is headed, and they know that Jesus has come and that everything has changed. Jesus is the way they see all their days. Everything has relation only in Jesus. Now, this vision is really hard for us to hold, especially this time of year when we have so much going around us and we have so many stories around us and people saying what this is all about. Um, And sometimes we try to help ourselves remember and we say things like, Jesus is the reason for the season. Um, I think we probably have an ornament of that. I don't know if anyone else had that crocheted, but I remember growing up, that was one of our Christmas ornaments. Um, But Jesus is not just the reason for the Christmas season. Jesus is the reason for all seasons, for all time, for all eternity. We are in the last days because Jesus has come to earth and is bringing in a whole new creation. So how much freer could we feel if we could take hold of this truth that all the stuff we see around us now has meaning only in relation to Jesus? We're meant to be living for an audience of one, So all the stories we hear about how the world works, all the media we consume and the things we watch and the jobs we do and the daily lives we lead, all of this has relation only in Jesus. So Advent is all about remembering that Jesus is coming again. And so we're reminded again to eagerly wait and to watch for his second coming. One way we might tune our ears to hear what God is saying to us in Jesus is just to start by believing this startling reality that the world, as we see it now, has meaning only because of Jesus. Later in Hebrews, in chapter 9, verse 28, we're reminded that Christ will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So are we seeing ourselves as living in those last days? And are we eagerly waiting for Jesus? In the last days, God has spoken to us by his Son. So we are in the last days of what God is doing in creation. And what he is doing is speaking to us in Jesus. Now it's so striking that the author of Hebrews says that God has spoken to us because most likely, This author did not meet Jesus on earth. He didn't see Jesus or touch Jesus or hear Jesus like the way the Apostle John did and John talks about in his gospel. But the author of Hebrews knows that God has spoken to him, actually to him and to his readers in the person of Jesus. When God speaks, he speaks personally. It's not just an impersonal address broadcast out to whoever might want to listen but he's actually speaking a word spoken to each one of us. It's so important to know that this word of Jesus is personal, that it's addressed to each one of us. At the start of chapter 2 in Hebrews, the author says, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And later, in chapter 5, verse 11, he says to his readers, You have become dull of hearing. Three times in his letter, in chapters 4 and 5, the author of Hebrews also quotes Psalm 95, 
Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The author of Hebrews knows that God is speaking to him and to his readers in Jesus, and he begs them to listen. He pleads with them. He says, please don't harden your hearts. Don't become dull of hearing, but listen to what God might have to say to us in Jesus. We, too, can easily drift away from what we've heard, and our hearing quickly gets dull. So one way to fight against it is to realize how personal this word of God is to each one of us. The words we read this morning are addressed to you, actually to each one of you this morning. God is speaking to us in Jesus. His son Jesus is a gift that God has addressed to each one of us. And this is a gift that God desperately wants us to open, not to leave it under our trees unopened, but instead to be like a kid on Christmas morning at five in the morning, rushing downstairs, grabbing that gift to tear it open. That's what God wants us to do with Jesus, to take the gift, to realize it's for us, and to open it. Later in Hebrews, in chapter 7, verse 25, we read that Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. It's incredible to think that right now, at the right hand of God, Jesus is praying for us. He's interceding for us. And he lives praying that we might know him and receive him and that we might hear him today so that he might save us to the uttermost. In the last days, God has spoken to us by his Son, So we're living in the climax of what God is doing. God is speaking to each one of us. And lastly, most importantly, Jesus is what God has to say. But how do we listen to God and Jesus? Everything that Jesus does and says is God speaking to us. Jesus' entire life is God's address to us, telling us who he is and what he's like. When Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount, he's God speaking to us. When Jesus raises a little girl back to life, he's God speaking to us. When Jesus dies on the cross, he's God speaking to us. When he comes back to life, he's God speaking to us. We hear God by paying attention to Jesus. God's message to us is a real living person. In Jesus, we see a God who does not remain apart from us, but who comes down, who pitches his tent with us. He lives with us, and he loves us to the very end. I've been listening to a lot of Christmas music lately, and I imagine most of you have. Um, And I noticed that some of the really stirring Christmas carols we sing, the ones that have stood the test of time, are the ones that talk about Jesus and the fullness of what he has done. Um, So last night, we sang a couple of these. Think about um, Charles Wesley's Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Now, this carol doesn't stay in the manger. actually hardly mentions the manger nativity. Um, But this song is all about Jesus as king who reconciled God and sinners. We sing about how Christ is adored in the highest heaven, and he was pleased as man with man to dwell. He laid his glory by and was born so that man no more may die. Or I think about Joy to the World, which is actually written about Jesus' second coming. Um, Jesus has come again as king, and the curse of sin is broken. 
and heaven and earth are singing, all of creation is shouting aloud, and we're left gazing at the wonders of his love, the wonders of his love. Now these Christmas carols are some of the most popular ones, um, and they're the ones that we often sing the loudest because they get at the heart of who Jesus is, what his whole nature is, and his mission is about. He is a true son of God. He is the rightful king who has come back to reclaim his kingdom. So if we want to hear what God is saying to us in Jesus, we can't stay in the manger, but we have to search out the whole scope of what Jesus said and did and what he keeps on saying and doing. The author of Hebrews wants us to see this. And so in verse 3, he lists seven things about Jesus. Um, Some biblical scholars think this verse is actually a hymn. The author of Hebrews is either writing or reciting. So he's breaking out into song here, three verses into his letter. The author proclaims that Jesus is the heir of all things, which means all things belong to Jesus. He is the true king. God created the world through Jesus. Jesus is the radiance of God. He's like the rays of the sun of the glory of God. Jesus is the imprint of God's nature. This is like a stamp of his seal, having the exact image of God that stamps on us, on creation. Jesus upholds the universe by his power. He made purification for sin. And he sat down at the right hand of God. So this story of Jesus is a huge story, an epic story, that will take us the rest of our lives and all of eternity to grasp. What are we to do with this massive story then? Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, we are being told a story, a Christmas story that's better than any we've heard before, a story that involves us, each of us, a story that invites us into it. Our Christmas tradition of dressing up and putting on nativity costumes um, actually has a deep-rooted human instinct behind it. We need to take part in the story of Christmas. We need to take part in what God has done. And this is risky to do. It is a risk to stake our lives on the belief that the story of Jesus is true, that God is speaking to us in Jesus, that Jesus' coming has split time in two. There is such a great jump in believing this. There is a huge leap. There is a waging bet of believing that God is actually speaking to us this day, and that we're not crazy in believing this story. But Jesus is interceding for us now. This moment, he is praying in heaven that we might believe this, that we might make this jump, that we might believe the story and believe in him. We have this true story of Christmas. It is our story. It is our song. Jesus is what God has to say to us. So today, this day, let's not harden our hearts. We can finish all of our Christmas preparations this day. All we need to do to get ready for Christmas is to make room to open our ears and our hearts to who Jesus is. By his grace, may we do that, church. Amen.